0: Good morning guys um welcome to another episode of the christ results podcast today we'll be talking about one of the names of god but we'll be looking into its meaning but before that let's take a short prayer lord in heaven we thank you for the grace you have given us the bible says for of your fullness have received grace for grace. We thank you for engrafting us into yourself. Lord, be thou exalted in Jesus' name. We pray that as we get insight into your word, the spirit of knowledge and revelation and wisdom be upon us that we might have a revelation of your word to the end of our edification and perfection in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today we'll be talking about one of the names of god and the name is jehovah sikeno jehovah sikeno but let me give you a backstory. if you were like me if you had a childhood like mine you would have grown up seeing a religious childhood at least you'd have grown up seeing um calendars quote and unquote with um several names of god several names of god some have um, some of them are Jehovah, Roy, Elohim, El Shaddai, the El Sufficient God, Jehovah, Rapha the Great Healer so so many wonderful names but the problem was at that point in time we did not understand them even till now many of us do not understand how those names come to be and the essence or the weight of those names you see those names were given or those names were given to God because some men of old, some men of faith, saw God's faithfulness in that particular respect. So they just took that attribute and then attributed a name to it. For instance, um, Jehovah El Shaddai, a name given to God by Abraham, which means the all-sufficient God, when he was on Moriah about to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah. And then God provided the rhyme in his stead to show that he is the one who is all sufficient. So, Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, says, Our sufficiency is of God, and in so doing, God's faithfulness is revealed from age to age. So, the Bible says, In him is no variableness, no shadow of turning. He, the same God who was in the old testament is the same god who is now and it's the same god who will be in eternity when we are with him in fullness so the name i want to talk about today jehovah Sikenu. well you would not find it in the english bible but then let me give you the meaning and then you can find that in the bible the name means the lord our righteousness jehovah sikeno means the lord our righteousness and that's from Jeremiah chapter thirty-three verse sixteen. Let me give a brief context of that chapter. Israel was desolate, and people came to Jeremiah, being the prophet of the land, and all he saw was darkness. At least, by the by, the power of his soul, but the spirit of God came upon him, and he saw beyond all of that, and then saw so, and the lord revealed to him that a time will come that Judah will be saved and jerusalem will dwell in safety because a branch of righteousness will come out of david and that branch of righteousness as we know is jesus so jeremiah got a revelation that at that point in time the name that would be given to israel to jerusalem to the people of god is the lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sikkenu. You see, one of the many problems that people have with the Bible is because they think God was angry in the Old Testament. When he came to the New Testament, he became... A different personality so they try and try to reconcile the wrath of God that they see in the Old Testament and the love of God which they see in the New Testament and they're like "Well, he's God he's sovereign so he can do anything he wants to do he can act any way he wants to act he's free he has Liberty that is true but God is also righteous what does it mean by God is like what do I mean by God is righteous it means that god abides by his own standards if he sets a rule he doesn't flout it but let's pause there let's pause there so they try hard to reconcile those two natures and so it shows in their manner of approach to life when the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 that God's ultimate plan is salvation then they begin to wonder or they begin to speculate and postulate and they say oh even if God's plan is salvation you still have to and Ephesians 2 8 says for by grace are you saved through faith not of your own lest any man should boast for it is the gift of God they begin to say that oh this shouldn't be accurate because you know God in the Old Testament made rules and we should have to abide by those rules we should have to do this we should have to do that and that corrupted their doctrine and it made it seem as though you have to work to be saved you have to do something after receiving Christ after believing on Christ you have to do something some will say oh you have to stop touching sisters. No, you must not shake his sister if you shake his sister. That's a sin. Some would say, Oh, you have to stop wearing trousers as a sister. If you wear trousers as a sister, you are going to hell. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy that a man should not wear that which pertains to a woman and a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man. A blind-sided opinion of the most high God. But the problem there is. The scripture has to be interpreted through the lens of Christ like we learned in the past in the previous episode. Scripture has to be interpreted with the lens of Christ so the book of Hebrews chapter 1 says God at sundry times and in various manners revealed himself to the prophets but in these last days he revealed himself through his son. What? In heaven's name does that mean it's quite basic at different points in history to so the prophets god revealed himself sometimes he revealed himself as the one who is all sufficient sometimes he revealed himself as the judge of all sometimes he reveals himself as the husband Sometimes he reveals himself as the husband man. Sometimes he reveals himself as a consuming fire. Which, by the way, doesn't mean that he kills his enemies and destroys all our enemies and all that. But then, all of those attributes, all of those realities are combined in Christ. So the Bible says in the chapter 1, he is the full expression the glory of God in the book of Colossians the Bible says for he is the full bodily expression of God the image of God imago Dei and that image is what he puts upon man but that's not the topic for today the topic for today is God righteousness so the book of second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says and he made him who was without sin to become sin what that means is not that jesus took our sins it means that jesus was made sin what does that mean for instance when we say, let's 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 tell a story i I'm a fetish guy, and then I turn someone to a goat. It doesn't mean that the person has a goat upon him. It means the person has become a goat. Very, very simple. It's the same way. Jesus became sin. The nature of sin, he became it. Because you have to realize that Adam in itself, or he himself, is in nature. So the Bible says in the book of First Corinthians chapter 15, that death came through man and life comes through another man because Adam being the first man was a nature. Jesus being the last Adam also is a nature. So Jesus became the nature of sin that we might become the nature of God when resurrected with him as we believe in him. It's all very basic and very simple so that we might become the righteousness of God. What does righteousness mean? Righteousness connotes to be justified, to have the ability to stand before God. And Jesus gave us that opportunity. Adam lost that opportunity, but Jesus restored it in a fullness that Adam himself couldn't and didn't experience when he was alive. But before I round this up, because I'm at the end already, chapter 18, that God was in Christ reconciling the old world unto himself, not imputing their sins against them. What in heaven's name does that mean? It means that God no longer has a business or God doesn't have a business of counting your sins against you. I was saying, oh, today you were fornicated, whether or not you are saved. And this is the simple truth. So the Bible says, and John prophesied, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He took it. So because Jesus had died and taken that nature, the only criteria to be condemned is to not believe in Jesus. And the only criteria to be saved is to believe in Jesus. So if we do not believe in Jesus, our nature is sin. It doesn't multiply and it doesn't decrease. That is the nature. You cannot add to it. You cannot remove from it. But if you are in Christ, if you have believed in Christ, your nature is righteousness. You cannot remove it and you cannot take away from it and you cannot add to it. It is all and complete so the book of ecclesiastes a verse i love so much chapter 3 says for we know that whatsoever thing the lord does is eternal so the bible says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life seeing these things through the lens of christ shows us that this isn't a New Testament concept alone which the Apostle Paul conjured out of thin air along with the other Apostles. No, this is something that has existed in the Old Testament as shown in Jeremiah chapter thirteen, chapter 33. God had prophesied it ahead of time. So through the mouth of various prophets, God prophesied the coming of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 12, God prophesied also that a branch of righteousness shall arise out of Judah, all waiting for Jesus. And the deal is in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 33, also, what was connoted was a brand new kingdom. Israel will be restored onto a new kingdom, not one of slavery, as was seen when they were sold into slavery during the timeline of Jeremiah to Daniel, um, yeah, around that time, and also their colonialism by the um, Romans, no, but actually what it is is, yeah, they are expecting a kingdom that the Lord, the Savior will come and abolish all of that but the kingdom he was talking about was within them. So when he said, Jerusalem shall dwell in safety, what it means is what Jesus said in the book of John chapter 14. And what did he say there? He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the word giveth, so in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer have overcome the world which means the peace he is talking about there isn't an outward peace but an inward peace so the bible says frame all your requests into prayers with thanksgiving and supplications make your requests known unto god and the peace of god which passes all understanding which is unfathomable shall keep your hearts and minds jehovah sikeno god our righteousness you might be wondering, oh, I'm a Christian, but then I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with sins. I masturbate, I fornicate, I watch pornography, I lie, I do so many things. And am I even saved? But then at some point in your life, you've received the life of Christ. You know that. But because of all of that, you're blindsided to the grace of God. I want to tell you that God is your righteousness. And it is that identity that enables you to live right. Bible calls something in the book of Philippians, the fruits of righteousness. Those fruits come as a result of your new nature. So rest in that fact. Don't add to it. Don't remove from it. Rest in the fact that you're righteous. If you are here and if you're listening to me and you're not saved, the challenge is you still have the nature of sin. But that nature can be removed if you believe in Christ Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Why? The old nature is removed from him. Adam's nature, he now has a nature of righteousness because Jesus was made sin for him. And on this point, I round up. Let's take a short prayer. If you've listened and you've not received the life of Christ, I'd just like you to take this prayer. Lord, I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you were sent from God. In Jesus' name we prayed. Yeah, it is actually that simple, and you're saved. If you're here and then you are battling with addiction, secret sins, and all of that, just take this prayer, Lord, help me to see myself as you see me. That's a very cogent prayer. You see, the issue with Job was. Job kept looking upon his problem rather than looking at God. So when God came, God gave him a fresh perspective. Because Job was someone who was self-righteous. Always depending on the amount of sacrifices he could make. But yet, what did God see him as? God didn't see him as self-righteous. God saw him as a man he could trust. Because God sees the foolish scope. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Lord in heaven, we bless you for this grace to fellowship, to listen to your word, to be edified, and to grow more in knowledge of you. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen.